What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I was 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, we're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after this episode of the King's Falls Podcast. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that defined their careers. From Holland, Latin, Messi, Rapino, and many more each episode will focus in on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends, wherever you get your podcasts. And here's Fox creeping forward. He pulls up, 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Makes one stage twice. Gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. Vivania, Bialica. It's with us every swim, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. For 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well, dude. Um, yeah, getting back into the draft. Uh, it's a lot of fun for me. Getting a little bit stressful though as we get into some of these weirder and stranger and more uh, less predictable prospects. Um, certainly got one of those for sure today, maybe two, depending on how you see it. Uh, we're going to be diving into Alexej Pokusevsky. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Alexi is how I think. I don't know. It was close enough. Alexi Pokusevsky. We're going with Poku for most of the pod, I'm assuming. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to be leaning on Poku pretty hard. And Jalen Smith. So uh, a couple of uh, of big men that can shoot it. And I'm excited, man. I mean, how did you enjoy doing the research on these guys? Yeah, these were interesting. Um, I kind of felt like I knew Jalen Smith, like Bryant, I think forever ago when we did something just talking about this draft with Bryant West from the Kings Herald, and I believe Nate Miller was on that pod as well, um, covering who just to look forward to in this draft. Bryant was already on Jalen Smith, uh, talking about like a potential Bagley fit. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was an interesting one for sure. And then obviously a lot of people have heard of Poku for being this potentially insane upside guy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, these are both, I guess, potential Bagley pairings because it would just be a front court partner with Bagley if you still ba- consider Bagley part of the future. Um, when you're thinking of these guys, how much are you considering their fit alongside Marvin? I'm thinking of them very much. I, I think that's uh, – I mean, it's not necessarily Marvin – but you're thinking of them in the context of the modern NBA where if you can shoot it, you know, it's going to make your ceiling as a big man just so much better. Um, if you can't shoot it, it's complicated. you got to be next to a, a big guy that can. 
the days are pretty much gone when you've got two your two biggest players on the floor that just can't shoot the ball. Like the spacing is just going to be going to be shot. Yeah, and I mean, I think we could just kind of dive into one of these guys. Do you have a certain one you want to start with here? Um. Yeah, I, I think that we should talk about Poku. Okay. All right. Um, so, yeah, Aletsky, Poku, Svetsky. I shouldn't have tried it again. We're going to go with Poku. Uh, I have seven feet with a 7'3 wingspan and 200 pounds. I, you know, I will say I don't have a team name in front of me, but he played in the Greek second league. And I guess one of the first things that stands out with this guy is I would say he plays like a wing, even though he does, he is this seven footer. Like he has this craftiness to him and a ball handle that I don't know how great it'll be against a real competition, but I felt like his play style felt like more of a wing on the offense. Do you kind of get where I'm coming from with that? For sure. That's definitely the book on Pokusowski. Uh Yeah, getting just through some more basics here. He's 18 years old. He'll be 18 at the time of the draft. So. Definitely one of the youngest players in this draft. Definitely one of the youngest guys going to be projected to go in the first round. The team I have here is Olympiacos B. Uh, notably, it's B. So before we even get into like the skills, I'd like to just kind of talk about where he's playing. Um, he is playing in the Greek League and should be noted that it's not in the – Best Greek league. Uh, he's playing in the secondary, the second division of Greek. So that is a little bit concerning to me. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the tape that I watched personally was like under 18 World Cup type stuff. Um, you know, second division Greek basketball. Yeah. There isn't much else to look at. How concerned are you about the level of competition that he's facing? My main thing was it with my main thing with it was just being new to this draft process and kind of really profiling guys. I didn't know how much to take it into account. Like you can't help but realize how bad in a lower level of competition a lot of these guys are. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, Poku is just able to kind of tower over these guys, and he looks a little lackadaisical and it's not the most physical league for a guy that really feels like he could be physically overwhelmed with his slender frame so it it made it difficult for me and it felt like I was putting an asterisk on most of his skills there were certain things that I felt like you know I guess I could see eventually translating but you're seeing just such a raw skill because he's doing it against this lower level that a lot of me was just questions on like when which one of these actually would be able to translate and being newer to this that was probably one of the most difficult things for me here um and yeah I think there were certain things that I feel like will like I mean having a good shooting touch and being able to attack closeouts I think is interesting for his size and all that but yeah I mean everything that I watched I found myself putting an asterisk because I mean even just watching say, highlights or any film of Poku, you're clearly able to tell this lower level of competition. Yeah, and that's not just uh, difficult for you. I think it's difficult even for the best scouts in the world um, trying to compare, you know, I was joking beforehand, like we were watching 
you know, Lithuanian children play against this guy, like literal, like, 16-year-olds from Lithuania. And I'm like, I trying to compare that to some, you know, grown men in the Big Ten, like we'll be talking about with Jalen Smith coming up. It's, it's, it's obviously a huge difference. I don't know how big of a difference it is exactly. I think a lot of people struggle with trying to figure out how big the difference is. Um, and interestingly, though, you know who else played in the second league of Greece, right? It's Giannis, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's, that's such an outlier. Right. I mean, right. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, and that's that's what everyone that's big tr- like, you know, Giannis went 15th, and um, you know, based on what I was reading in a Vicini piece, like that's what the deal was. Like, no one had any idea like how good he was because of the competition. Um, it's like just impossible. No, but I do. I did find Giannis's numbers from uh, Heba A2 in in Greece. If you're interested, yeah, let's hear it. I'm very interested. So he averaged 9.5 points a game in 2013. Um, and this is wow. interesting. Yeah, not great, right? And then, yeah, uh, like it's surprising. Um, five rebounds a game. Uh, this was interesting to me. He almost has identical three-point shooting stats to Poku. Uh, and obviously Giannis never became a great shooter. Yeah, so Giannis shot, he took 3.8 three-pointers a game, made 31%. And Poku, on the other hand here, uh, let's see here, took very similar, uh, about four three-pointers a game, made 32%. Almost identical. Wow. Yeah, I would assume, I mean, just touching on, like, the the shooting between the two, it's pretty obvious, like, Poku's form and release being quicker and smoother. Maybe, like, the numbers don't quite reflect it, but I think that there's very clearly, like, a higher shooting ceiling for Poku there. But but just talking about being in these similar leagues and not putting up outstanding numbers, um, it's definitely interesting. I mean, especially considering they're both guys that are – seen as unicorns in a way, right? And the playmaking of them is a particular point that is very intriguing. And Poku, just the same as Giannis, needs to put on weight. And I think it's extreme to expect anyone to put on weight the way that Giannis has been able to and just become an absolute beast like that. But there is an interesting amount of similarities between those guys when you look at it that way. Yeah, definitely interesting. I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing about Giannis. I don't think anyone... I can't think of anyone that's grown in the way that Giannis has grown. Um, you know, Giannis has 40 pounds of muscle on this dude, pretty much. Um, yeah, it's interesting. They're, they're, they're pretty similar in their height as well. Like, you know, it's about an inch or two difference to Poku. Poku is so skinny, man. It is, like, yeah. genuinely frightening how skinny he is. And I just don't really understand it. I, I don't know, like... I'm just confused. I, I, I like you said, it's really hard to figure it out. But like the fact that this guy played a total of 1.8 minutes in the Euro League, like I get it when Bogdan Bogdanovich is coming coming over and he had an MVP under his belt. Like when Nemanja Bica came over from the Euro League and he had an MVP under his belt. I get it when Luka Doncic did it and he had an MVP at 18 years old coming over from the EuroLeague, but, like, this guy played one minute. <laughs> yeah, right. And, 
I mean, like, it, Giannis has a ridiculous athleticism that was really apparent, and Poku doesn't have that. Like, he's very agile, and that's part of it, but – and especially considering that he's seven feet, but it's so hard that – I mean, a lot of it, like, I, I think of him attacking closeouts and kind of having these crafty finishes or nice drop-off passes that are creative, but – almost like flashy in a way, and it's like, would you be able to get away with that against good competition? Um, so, yeah, I, I really, I mean, same as you, it's it's a confusing player to me. But offensively, do you kind of view him as a stretch four pretty much? Like how comfortable do you feel in his potential to like eventually be able to put the ball on the floor and be like a tertiary playmaker? Tertiary playmaker, for sure. I think that's fine. I think he's a solid passer. I I feel the same way you do. Like, a lot of his, like, behind-the-back passes and stuff, like, they are not even, you know, great passes. They're just – they're flashy. They're whatever. That's not going to fly in the NBA. Maybe he improves on that, but I don't think he's going to, like, run an offense, certainly. Um, but as a tertiary, maybe secondary-type playmaker one day, I can see it. Floor spacing, you know, power forward. That's that's obviously that classic stretch forward type. That's like what you're hoping for him to be. Um, that seems like the most bankable thing, right? Um, even though that shooting, the shooting stats I gave you earlier aren't incredibly impressive. It is the projectability of the shot, the cleanness of the mechanics uh, for someone his size is definitely impressive. So I think I can I can bank that side of it at least. Yeah, I, I think that's that's interesting. That's fair. I mean, like, you even see a little bit of movement shooting. I think that, like you're saying, that three-point shot is a lot of kind of what you're betting on for Poku, and at least to just kind of hit a decent floor median for him because, I mean, if we talk floor and ceiling of this guy, this is one of the most drastic ones in the draft, if not the most. Um, but, yeah, and then, I mean – I really don't know. Like, I'm not – this isn't a guy I'm not going to want running the offense. Like you said, a secondary playmaker is even questionable. The handle that I guess is part of his appeal here, I mentioned him being pretty agile. Like, you see him being a pretty good rebounder and then take it himself up the court. I wonder if a athletic guard started to pester him a little bit, would he really be able to dribble with people – getting into him like high quality defenders and I think that could take away a lot of what's positive with Poku here um so yeah offensively I mean that handle really makes me cautious as well um like I guess there's a little bit of dribble moves here and there but again I can't help but just be like I don't think this would work even against like some of the college level competition at times yeah, and I think the athleticism is kind of an issue. Like you were talking about with Giannis, like he was already a Greek freak. Like before he became the muscular Greek freak, he was still a freakish athlete in terms of his leaping ability, in terms of his speed and explosiveness. That's not what's going on with Pokusevsky, I don't think. Um, again, it can be a little bit hard to judge because you're, you know, he's facing a lot of dudes that just aren't that athletic in general. So, like, you know, sometimes you see a flash of something, but, um, you know, he's he's not a tremendous athlete. I think he's got 
he's a tremendous athlete for his size, but that doesn't mean he's a tremendous athlete, period. I don't think he's going to be a great athlete compared to most NBA competition. Um, you know, one thing that is really noticeable between his numbers and Giannis's numbers in this league is that uh, Giannis was finishing about 62% from the field um, in, in that league, where Poku's at 40%. Ugh. And, yeah. And, uh, and and on twos, we're talking like a difference of 70% for Giannis to 50% from Poku. He's not a strong finisher. Um, and this is my concern with him overall. He he doesn't have like – so there's that, this concept of like a, a big man that plays a guard, like a big man with guard skills. I'm not sure that's what this dude is. I think he's a guard who happens to be seven feet tall. He's not a great finisher. He's not super strong, not physical. Um, you know, he can block shots because he has this crazy standing reach and crazy 7-3 wingspan, but I don't really see him as having a lot of big man skills. Yeah, I mean, I think the shot blocking is kind of what you point to, and I will say, uh, again, this was one of the hardest ones. I had to watch a lot of these these blocks and defensive plays, and this really made me, like, try to be, okay, what are the translatable skills here? And the one for me, I felt like he had really good timing, which probably is easier against guys that aren't athletic and getting off the floor quickly that he's playing against. But I did feel like his timing was really impressive and decent hands when he went up in the air. Um, but, yeah, like you're saying, I mean, that 7-3 wingspan is definitely helping him out there. And, yeah, so I feel like he could be a decent rim protector and he could be a good rim protector. And that's the part where I guess I would see him as a center. But, yeah, I mean, going back to, like, kind of the guard skills, I mean, like, Nemanja Bialica could attack a closeout and have a couple nice dribbles. I mean, is that potentially what Poku is when really he's not a guy that's really able to do that at a great level or even, like, above average quite level in the NBA? Maybe for his position, like you're saying, like a four or five, but – that's comparing him to guys that aren't doing that at all, really. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. If you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. If you're looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out as well. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. And Belly's always been thick, where Pokusevsky is just incredibly skinny. Like, and Giannis that you're talking about. Yeah, like, Giannis was skinny, but, like, I don't think he was ever, like, frighteningly thin. Like, I see some of these pictures of Boku, some of the, the videos of him. It's like, oh, man, like, it's scary how thin this dude is. Yeah. Um, and that makes me worry a little bit about, um, you know, his medicals. Like, could he be an injury potential if he's this lanky and 
not a lot of muscle and he's so long he's going to be uh, up in the air a lot and coming down awkward. I don't know. I don't know how that plays in. I know that he's missed some time, but it's not been well reported as to why. So I think there are some question marks about his medical history. Um, just throwing that out there. Yeah, and, you know, part of the the scrawniness is, I mean, this is a guy that could, similarly to Bagley in a way, be left as a tweener. Like, he doesn't have the lateral quickness to me to really be guarding fours. He's not going to have the strength to be guarding fives. Um, I would have questions about him in a pick and roll, which we just didn't even really get to see all that much. I, I really worry that this could be another guy that just finds himself without a position on defense, really. At least he has that one defensive tool where I think he'll be a good, decent a decent shot blocker, um, potentially at his floor. But, I, I mean, I still really think this guy could end up being a tweener there. Yeah, and all the questions about him I've seen are about his man-to-man defense. Um, I, again, struggle here, like, like how good is this dude that he's defending right now? So like, should he be dominating him? Should should he be letting like easy baskets go? Is this guy really good? This is like, is he a crafty older dude in the second league of, of the Greece uh, pyramid here? I don't know, but I've I've read from a lot of longer term, uh, you know, smarter scouts that have, have been studying the game for a lot longer, know a lot more about it, that he doesn't project to be a good one on one defender. So yeah, that does make for a kind of a questionable pairing with Bagley and also like a kind of a, a lower floor. I actually think it's a really low floor. Like worst case scenario, how how bad could this pick be? I mean, I think this guy could be just detrimental to your team when he's out there. Like I guess he could space the floor. Even then, like the shooting percentage isn't that impressive. I, I think that he could find himself out of the league pretty quick. I totally agree. I think of all the players who've gone over, there is, like, no floor on this dude. Like, I, I think that he could be, you know, I, I I think some Euros just flop out of the league, and I think it's overrated how often that happens, that, like, generally speaking, it's not more common than American players flopping out of the league, but I just think that he could be one of those dudes. I really do. And then to kind of flip the question, what do you think is the the ceiling of this, though? And how long, I mean, how long would it take to even reach that, though? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to take some time. Um, I think he would probably be better off maybe playing another year overseas. But if you get that first round money, you take it. Um, it's going to have to be a team that is willing to wait. I think it could be two or three years. Uh, pretty easily. Um, But yeah, in terms of the upside, I do think it's there. I could see him being, you know, kind of like a low-level starter slash, like, plus bench guy, I'd say. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think that if I, I don't know, I'm just so hesitant on this this playmaking panning out. But I guess if it did, I mean, I think he could be a third option on a team, like at the absolute ceiling. But again, like so much would need to go right for that to happen here, and there need to be so much development, weight being gained, and and all that, and just so many reps that would need to come against quality opponents. So 
and I've touched on it before. I mean, I think that obviously there's outliers when there's insane ceilings, and I guess there kind of is for this guy. I mean, it's not quite insane. I'm saying like a third option at best. That's not quite what I mean by that, but I've been saying the Kings should take a low-floor guy. I mean, a high-floor guy, and that's obviously not what Boku is here, and I don't think they're a team that is going to wait like two years for a guy to be a positive contributor. Like they're already doing that with Bagley and that seems to have its own issues going on. Uh, I think whether we think that's a good idea or not, the Kings are kind of trying to win basketball games right now. Yeah, it'd be a horrific pick for the Kings, I think. Um, yeah, they can't just wait a couple of years for a guy to develop. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe some people out there want that. They want to take their swing at, uh, you know, a top three guy potentially um, for your team. I mean, is that possible? Is it Fox, Bagley, Poku? I, I don't know. I'm not sold on that being even like the best possible outcome. I don't really know if I believe it. Um, I What do you think about this? Like, I see him kind of as like an RJ Hampton level prospect. Actually, like Hampton a little bit more, but like that kind of guy where like, Okay, like there's a feeling on this guy. Um, you know, I, if 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 certain skills come around and you let him develop for a couple of years, I I can see a ceiling on this guy, but I also think the floor is just super low. Yeah, I, I like that. Like you said, I think I like Hampton better, but I definitely see where you're coming from with that with Poku. Um, yeah, and I guess I'll counter a little bit. Like I think that at his ceiling, I think he actually could be a good Bagley pairing. Um, with the spacing and then also having some rim protection, but that's assuming he does get like defined as a five on defense, which I guess Bagley seems to kind of be leaning that way a little bit. Um, I don't know. I think there's hypothetically at Poku ceiling a Bagley fit there. But again, like you're saying, I mean, this high ceiling, low floor guy, I'm not really interested in, especially if you're talking 12, 13. I, I don't think Poku's the guy there. Like, how do you feel about Poku compared to, uh, I'm pretty sure you're higher on Patrick Williams, but, like, Precious. That's so funny. Um, Precious is the only guy. We've, we've gone through 20 guys now. Precious Achua is the only guy I have lower than Poku on, Interesting. My, on my list. Yeah, when it came down to it, I think the athleticism of Precious made me lean that way a little bit more, and I just saw him fitting in, like, a switchable NBA. I think I also just was a little higher on Precious than you were. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a close one for sure. Um, but I, I think that Precious, to me, having a higher floor kind of did it there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's the guy that you're probably comparing with, but that's the bottom of everyone that we've been talking about so far, right? Yeah, that's 19 and 20, Poku and Chua. I... I, I yeah I think I think Precious has a higher floor which is nice but I think also at the center position the floor matters the least like you can just get a dude with a better floor like you can in free agency you can get three of those guys at the vet minimum you know what I mean uh, with the higher floor so right that can you can you can plug and play and eat up innings but I, I that's why I would value ceiling over floor at the center position. 
Yeah, that's fair enough. And I think that Precious has an interesting ceiling to him, but we've kind of we we've dove into him enough. Um, I yeah, I think these guys are definitely in the same tier. And is there anything else you want to kind of touch on with Poku before we move on to Jalen Smith? Um, no, not really. I, the one thing I'll touch on is that I I participated in a mock draft last week that was a lot of fun. Um, the results are up on Twitter. It was a, a pretty good group of guys. Um, not necessarily like, you know, pro level or whatever, but really invested guys that have done their research. Um, it was ran by a guy that I really trust at Mavs Draft on Twitter. And um, in in the mock drafts I represented the Kings, uh, first of all, Poku went seventh to the Knicks. Wow. So some people are high on this dude, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a very Knicks pick, right? They do seem to like their European guys. It's a wild pick. He kind of is like, I mean, Kristaps isn't a terrible comparison for him, I guess. Yeah. A guy who can get some blocks and, and shoot some threes. Oh, wow, I guess it's not. And they they hated Kristaps. They ran him out of town, so might as well get 2.0 in there. I don't understand it. But, um, yeah, I thought that was the worst pick in the draft. But aside from that, <laughs> um, I will say the Kings – Myself, uh, first of all, got Tyrese Halliburton at 12. That's a win. And uh, at pick 35, uh, got our next guy. Jalen Smith fell at pick 35 for me. Wow. See, I love that. Like, it will, yeah, so Jalen Smith from Maryland, 6'10", 225 is what I have here. Um, find the wingsman real quick here. Actually, I don't see it listed. Um, I would say it's plus wingspan to me, but I don't see it listed anywhere. Um, and the way I want to start with Jalen Smith is the shooting that you're getting from this 6'10", clear center. He has his lengthiness as well, or um, scrawniness as well, I mean. But I'm curious what you think of this, because there was some legitimate movement shooting, like some down screens going on for him at Maryland. But his freshman season, he shot 26.8% from three on a total of 71 attempts. And then his sophomore year, most recently, 36.8% on 87 attempts. And, I mean, really, he's only making 13 more threes on the year, and you're talking like a somewhat small sample here. Did you buy the shot of Jalen Smith? Um, I mean, there's like a decent free throw percentage to it as well, jump from 65% freshman year to 75 in the sophomore year that kind of backs it up. How much do you buy Jalen Smith as a shooter? Yeah, for sure by the shot. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily like – I mean, he's not – he's no Aaron Neesmith. We're not talking about a guy that's trying to come in and shoot 40% on, you know, seven attempts a game or whatever. Could be higher for someone as special as Neesmith. But, yeah, like, I mean, I hate to say it, uh, but it's true. We're talking like Dwayne Dedman here, man. Yes, for sure. I think that we very much are talking dead men. And the other guy that comes into mind a lot is Miles Turner for me, which I think Miles Turner is a like a like one of the best case scenarios for Jalen Smith. But, yeah, those two definitely were coming into my mind. And, I mean, I was a really big advocate for dead men coming in. Um, Weren't we all? Yes. And, I mean, I like, I like that three-point shot. And then if you're talking about – I mean, is there anything else you want to touch on on the offense with him? Um like, obviously, there's a little bit more, but I think most of it for me was kind of just the three-point shooting for him. I guess there's 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't see him as too much of a role threat. Like, he's kind of scrawny there. Um, it, are you the same that most of the offense really was the shooting here from him? Yeah, a little bit scrawny, like you said. Um, nickname Sticks, uh, Stick Smith, uh, is, is what he's often called, especially by commentators and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, super in love with his game outside of the shot, but um, I do have a wingspan here of seven one and a half. So, okay. you know, that's solid. Um, not a great athlete, like not like a threat uh, on, on play finishing, but still he's, you know, 6'10 with a seven one wingspan. Like that's useful. That's functional. Um, it's going to give you some tools. Pretty decent on uh, offensive glass. Like he'll get some putbacks, that type of thing, clean some stuff up. Um, so, yeah, I, I see him as, I mean, like, to get back to the Deadman thing, I see him as, like, a very much a low-usage guy. Uh, you know, definitely not a top three option, uh, probably not a top four option, but, like, has a real chance to be your fifth starter or, you know, for maybe a better team with um, a really high-quality starting center. Uh, he could be a great bench guy that comes in stretches the floor, and, you know, kind of gets it done on the glass, a little bit of trash, a little bit of cleanup. Yeah, I agree. And I think that he has a decent floor to him. Um, I think part of that is, I mean, like you're saying, the shooting. And, I mean, just in the process of looking for Bagley pairings, I think it's made me realize how rare in the NBA a 3 and D center is. And, the defense obviously being the other part of it, since I also have faith in the three-point shot from him here. And the rim protection I I, I like, um, and watching, like, the highlights of him at first, you know, is kind of what you tend to see at the beginning here. I'm not watching these guys all throughout the year or anything. And there's some great rotations from him. I think he has really good timing as well. He doesn't get off the ground amazingly fast or anything, but... I think he's a decent vertical athlete, um, and yeah, but the more I watched of him on defense, the worse I felt about it, because while the rim protection's there, and I think a lot of it is done with a seemingly decent IQ, but really just a lot of effort on the defensive end in the interior, when he gets pulled out to the perimeter and is in a pick-and-roll coverage, it really makes me uncomfortable, like he the effort seems to kind of wear once he's pulled out. He seems to just really gravitate to staying around the rim, and I think he could do a decent job at it. Like, there's guys will blow past him. I think he's still going to be able to recover at times, but the defense, like, I just kept feeling a little worse about it the more I watched. Yeah, definitely agree with you. Um, very limited on the perimeter. I, yeah, in college, it's so much easier to kind of scheme for that and let your let your big man stick around the rim, um, use some zone and stuff like that. But definitely going to be a drop coverage guy in the NBA, ideally. I'll be worried about him getting eaten up by pick and rolls for sure. Yeah, like Maryland had a couple times where they had him show but he was jogging back to his guy so lackadaisical. I'm like, man, if this is the NBA, that is a bucket right away before he's able to get back there. And, I mean, I think the appeal of this guy would be as a Bagley fit, like we're talking about with Deadman. I mean, that's why I was so big on him. And 
who is the one that is guarding the pick and roll between Jalen Smith and Bagley? Um, no idea. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that that really worries me. You would want Jalen probably as the anchor, but you don't want Bagley. I don't know. I, I've kind of said that I think maybe Bagley as a four on the defensive end and five on offense, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Bagley's defensive fit anywhere is kind of some concern. And, yeah, so, uh, I, I, like I said, I like the rim protection of this guy. I think he has a floor there with some of the instincts and – but, yeah, I mean, I think that smart NBA teams are really going to be able to abuse him defensively, which is not what you really want from a guy. Now, if we're talking the, what do you say, it was early 30s, right, where Sacramento has a second rounder that they're working with, I love this pick. But I'm not thinking about it at 12-13. No, I guess not. Um, I I don't know. I would think about it. I, I would. I would think about it. Um, I probably wouldn't pull the trigger, but I think that he could be in the conversation. Um, Maybe where I'd be more comfortable, say the Kings actually made the playoffs and they ended up with pick 16. Would you consider it then? I would. And you're right. Like, going – starting this, I was kind of okay with talking about him at 12 – and then I started to slowly fall out of it, like I said. But, yeah, I mean, late teens, I do start to think about it, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I would I would consider it. I mean, so it, if everything kind of goes wrong, like say they lose the coin toss with the Pelicans and the, the 12 players you really want are off the board, um, yeah, I mean – you would just go Bay. I think that, I mean, right. so, so if, if Bay is available, you'd go Bay. You'd go Neesmith if Neesmith's available. Patrick Williams to me. So would you go Williams over over Jalen for sure? I guess I can't say 100% right now, and at one point I definitely want to do a pod on, like, just breaking down the potential Bagley fits. Um, but, yeah, I mean, right now I, I would probably lean Williams. I think that's kind of against your ethos of high-floor guys. It is. You're right. I just am also unsure on Jalen's high floor because of, like, I really think that he could cause you a lot of problems defensively. Yeah. um, It's not a great situation. You know, it's a weak draft. I I would consider it. I mean, I don't know. I kind of have him – in a tier not too far off from Bay. So I actually have him in a tier with Bay, depending on what you're looking for, what you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see them have, as having, like, similar floors where you're a little bit higher on Bay than me, so that's the thing. But I see them as being useful players in the NBA, but not sort of plus starters. That's not really on the – that's not really on the – in the cards. Yeah, which is fair enough. I, I think that the Bay and Smith one kind of comes down to – just positional. I think that if you're talking a guy that's just going to be kind of a average neutral guy for say even like half a decade, I would just prefer to have one of those guys as a wing rather than a center because of the replaceability of the center position. Um, and, and yeah, I guess kind of going back to the Patrick Williams things, I will say this is the one guy that I've had so many like 
internal struggles with talking about, uh, like I've just been pushing that they should take a high floor guy, but Patrick Williams and his potential Bagley fit has had me a little uh, conflicted internally. So we'll, we'll get back to that at some point, but yeah, I mean, that's interesting because I, I'm super high on Williams. Like of, of anyone in the draft so far that we've gone over, I'm the highest on Williams compared to the general consensus. I would, I have him over Bay, like for sure. So, yeah. um, but then I also understand, like in the context of the Kings, I agree with your argument that you go high floor. So that's why I, I would still, it's like a coin flip for me. Do I go high ceiling, high floor? Definitely could get why you'd go Bay there. I think Williams is the better pick long term. Bay's the better pick short term. Mm-hmm. It's conflicting for me, uh, but I, I just think, you know. You're, you said that center is more replaceable. It is. Shooting center is not. Like a, a center that can genuinely shoot the ball, that's not replaceable. Yeah, that's a really good point. And like I said, I mean, I have a lot of faith in this uh, shooting of, of Jalen Smith. I, it's funny, actually, earlier today I texted Bryant and uh, was saying, wow, I, I see why you really like this guy. Uh, I'm, I totally see the Bagley fit. And then, like I said, just the more I watched, I was like, man, I think he's terrible in the pick and roll. And I like him having trouble getting past that. Support for the King's Pulse podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Listen, we all have a time where we have hurt ourselves or at least been terrified to hurt ourselves. I know I do. Trimming below the waist. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. This is a premium tool with a battery that lasts up to 90 minutes, works in the shower so you can take care of your business in there if you prefer that. Also has an extremely cool LED light attached to it that illuminates the grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that chunk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code KINGSPULSE at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KINGSPULSE. No space. KINGSPULSE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code KINGSPULSE with no space. Well, I think the part of the issue that you're having with him uh, and part of the issue that we're having with every single player in the draft is that they're not good fits with Marvin Bagley. You, you know why? Because Marvin Bagley is a terrible fit with everybody. Right. It's like, the same a lot of what I hear um, is, like, how do you find a defensive pairing with Cat? And it's like, well, Cat just has to be a better defender. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, man. Like... The the problem's not with with these guys. The problem's not with uh, Jalen. The problem's not with really anyone. Like it it's if they have problems in in of their own self. Like okay, that's a thing. But if we keep trying to find the right fit next to Bagley, it's there just isn't one. Like there just really yeah. isn't one, especially defensively. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I see that. Um, yeah, uh, so you said kind of in the same tier as Bay. Is that ahead of Achua and Poku? Yeah, so technically I have him 17th on my board, So, but in terms of tier breaks, I have him above RJ Hampton, Pokusevsky, and Achua for sure. Wow, above RJ. I guess that's just the floor ceiling debate, right? Yeah, I just don't. I, I don't think we. I didn't think I, that surprises me that you aren't on the same page because I think we both were not feeling yeah. RJ Hampton. No, I see it. Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from there, and I am finding myself. Maybe it's just because obviously I look at all of this through a little bit of a king's lens, just in general in this draft, kind of valuing the floor of guys a little bit because I think there's certain guys that really have a good chance of just striking out on. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. Like, I mean, you look at Deadman, Like, obviously he insanely underperformed, and it's an overpay, but you could say a shooting big in the league is a $10 million a year dollar player. Um, so there, there's definitely some value there, and, I mean, the Kings have been looking for that. I think it would be valuable to get. Um, I would not take him over Bay or Neesmith for the Kings. And... Yeah, I mean, but I think it's a guy that I don't know. What's your and we got to get into more of these guys. Obviously, what's kind of your philosophy on trading back in this draft? Since it kind of feels like we're just hitting a big tier, right? I don't think you trade back where the Kings are. I'm comfortable with their position. There's 12 guys that I like uh, for the Kings. Yeah, maybe they end up 13th. Maybe they lose that coin toss to to uh, the Pelicans, and maybe the 12 guys go. But I, I'm, I'm happy staying there. Um, I'd be happy with 12 guys there. I think that one of them falls. Like, I just think that that's how the math plays out. You know, I, someone makes a strange move. We, we don't know how everything's going to work. Um, the Knicks maybe go Poku. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, someone could grab Kira Lewis. Someone could fall in love with R.J. Hampton. Um, it's anything is possible. I, I would stick there, but I kind of have the reverse feeling that I would trade up for Jalen Smith out of the second round. Like, yeah, what is what is thirty five, forty three, and fifty three get you? Right, twenty seven. Right, twenty six. And, and that's about where I think that you'd probably be talking for Jalen Smith. Um, yeah, I mean, I I'm definitely. For doing that, I think 27, yeah, 27 is where Fasini has him mocked. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I would definitely be happy with that. Yeah, you, you'd walk out of here, no second round picks, but you get Jalen Smith. Right, and what are you going to do with three second rounders? Yeah, I, I'd be thrilled with that. I'd be thrilled with that. And then, like, I mean, honestly, I don't think it's completely insane for him to fall to 35. Um, it's not likely, but I don't know, maybe 10% chance or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm very much for Jalen Smith getting a role on the Kings. I, I like the guy. I think, like I said, I probably just got a little bit of an eye for the, like you're saying, the fit with Bagley and just um, pick and roll issues, which I think a lot of teams could eventually take advantage of. But there's a reason that, I mean, to believe that he could be a 3 and D center, which is an extremely valuable role. Like you're saying, a Deadman type of player, Miles Turner, I think, being it's probably unfair. I mean, I think the the movement that you see from Turner, like especially in a pick and roll, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's valuable. I really like him for the Kings. I would take some of these wings over him. Um, 
but yeah, and at some point we're going to have to get Bryant on here to talk him up maybe a little bit more here and talk us into maybe at this 12. Like you're saying, I think there's a conversation to be had there that we could have at some point. Yeah, I know Bryant has Jalen 14th on his Kings board. Um, that's a pretty much where I'm at. I mean, uh, I'm a little bit lower on him. I've got him in a tier with Bay and Kyra Lewis somewhere 15, 16, 17. Um, and I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, is there certain guys that you want to get to on the next one of these we do? Like, how do you feel of maybe two other big men? Like, there's the interesting Isaiah Stewart, Xavier Tillman. Yeah, I actually was – you read my mind. Those were two guys I really want to look at. Okay, cool. And then I think at some point it's going to be interesting because if we are talking second rounders, like – a backup point guard, potentially. Um, I really like, I mean, these guys probably first-rounders, late first, like a Trey Jones, Tyrell Terry. Um, we'll get to them at some point. But, yeah, I'm good with Xavier Tillman um, from Michigan State and Isaiah Stewart from Washington for the next one of these that we get to. Yeah, considering we've got three, well, yeah, three more months till the draft, I think we could do at least one a week of these, and we'll get through, uh, what is that, 25 more guys, something like that. So I think we'll we'll be like we'll have a I think we'll get to like around 50 guys total, and I would really like that actually. Um, same here. I'm having a lot of fun with these, and I'm finding that as we go through, I'm constantly. I mean, I'm just reading about these new guys. I'm obviously getting information about the previous ones we've talked about, and then leading to watching more like random Lamelo Ball stuff or whoever else, um, and yeah, reworking these boards. I think this is a good way I'm enjoying kind of getting fresh content to me, even though it's happened a while ago with everything going on. Um, I guess the one other piece of news that we should touch on that dropped right before we started this pod from Sam Bassini, that the Kings have shut down their practice facility after receiving a positive coronavirus test with the, within the team's traveling party on Sunday. The facility is not expected to reopen before the team departs for Orlando on Wednesday. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you feel like there is to say about this that we haven't already? I mean, it's a very rough situation. I think we're both kind of, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth under the impression that this isn't the best idea to be going forward with this. Um, yeah, what are your reactions to, to that news? Yeah, I'm worried about, you know, player health, staff health, um, the families of the players and staff. Um, yeah, I don't want anyone to get sick or, you know, God forbid to die from this thing. And I don't know. Um, I'm not a, not a health expert. I've heard the argument that players are actually safer in the bubble. Um, I could see some validity to that just because there's going to be so much money invested into testing and like making sure everything is good to go. Uh, but generally speaking, yeah, just just in general, this feels like a kind of a bad idea. Um, uh, I'm not super stoked about it. Uh, I would like to see basketball be played. I'd like everyone to be safe, but you know, uh, it is what it is. Yeah, I don't have all too much to add on it. Uh, obviously, wish good health on everyone within the Kings organization and the NBA in general with everything going on. All our listeners, everyone out there with everything going on. Um. But that's going to do it, unless there's anything else that you feel like you want to add in here, Rich. 
Did you see my tweet about Bagley earlier? I did not. All right. Uh, just getting because we talked about Bagley as a fit with all the with all these guys. Maybe we'll cut this out, but I'll just throw this out there. Can you guess? Um, oh, the Kings. Oh, you did see this. Yeah, I you? totally just looked it up too, and I did see it earlier. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, ten. Yeah. I would not have thought that there was only ten times that he started actually. Yeah, I I had no idea that uh, the Kings are winless with Bagley in the starting lineup. So I don't know. Maybe ultimately that's the way you should look at this is forget about that fit. I mean, get a player that can be a good player. I yeah, Yeah. I'm still holding out hope for Bagley. Got a piece coming out in the B about what he could do to save his season and potentially his future with the Kings and in the league turn his whole situation around. Uh, but, yeah, first and foremost, just hoping that everyone in the Kings is healthy, stays healthy, and um, stays safe. Yeah, and, you know, last thing I'll throw your way, you've kind of uh, worked your way into some of these Zoom meetings the Kings have had. Is there anything notable you feel like from these? Not really. Um, I mean, not really. Um, I, I wrote about the Marvin Bagley press conference. Uh, he says he's 100% healthy, good to go, ready to go. So he's been working on his shot and his strength. He says he's added about five to ten pounds of muscle. Um, hope it's all true. Hope it's all true. Oh, I hope to see a, a a fresh new Bagley on the court, a healthy Bagley. That would be great. Yeah, agreed. And uh, definitely follow at Kings Muscle to keep up with what's going on with Bagley and everyone else putting on weight. And follow our affiliates with at the Kings Herald for the work that. You're doing with these prep conferences, Blake as well, and everybody else there that's just putting out great content all the um, all the time. There, definitely check out the Patreon they got going on to support some great Kings content that we're bringing your way. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review, subscribe to the podcast, and you will hear from us again in the next couple of days here.